listener, beware. You gave us the scares. Hello. And welcome to Say Podcast and Die. Theories and queries. That's right, it's the mini-sode. Yes, we're here to talk about the things you've been saying about us. <laughs> we, we need to talk about the things you've been saying about us. On the internet. <laughs> I'm Alyssa. I'm Andy. So, let's get into it. Yeah, today we're doing a classic theories and queries mm. where we're just going through stuff that goose punks have sent us and posted on our social media and sharing all the ghoulish details. Also, a bit of recent goose news before we jump in. If you haven't seen it already, R.L. Stein's old show, Eureka's Castle, uh, oddly spelled reek like something smells bad, <laughs> Eureka's Castle is up on Paramount Plus for streaming. I do not know who has Paramount Plus <laughs> or why Paramount Plus thought this was a good way to get draw a crowd. <laughs> I didn't know Paramount was still around. No, I know. I'm also a little confused what the website is exactly because it also says like Nick Plus. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be like a Disney Plus. I don't know. They're probably just owned by the same corporation. They're like, well, why don't we stick Plus on everything? Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true actually it's probably all just one person <laughs> anyway sitting in their piles of money and trying to charge us for five different services yeah old man yells at cloud <laughs> that's me yeah so uh today we're covering the the chatter around the books that we've covered from the snowman up to attack of the mutant that's right so let's start off with the snowman so long ago yeah this so was 2020 that we covered the snowman yeah wow december yeah. Because we're behind. Who were we then? No, we're just like taking our time. We're taking our time, letting letting people catch up. There's a lot to cover on theories and queries, you know? Yeah, that's true. So this is actually pretty fitting because next week we're covering The Babysitter 2. Can't wait. Yeah. Spoiler, I really liked it. So... Did you? I, I'm not spoiling that information. <laughs> so when we read The Babysitter, there was a Jenny Jeffers, and who recurs in The Babysitter 2. And in Snowman, there was a Bill Jeffers, a.k.a. the Snowman. When we put the episode out, our friend, the editor, who is at Spongy445, let us know that there's also a Carl Jeffers in the Series 2000 book, which is called Revenge R Us. Which, it didn't Toys R Us go defunct? I wonder if they'll have to update that reference. I don't know. Maybe they'll just say, like, oh, it's text speak. I don't know. <laughs> um, or maybe Toys R Us wasn't the first R Us. Probably not. You know, that's really funny. I think it was in my hometown what this is from. There was like a, a daycare called Kids in Us. Ew. It's just not. <laughs> that's really weird. They were, yeah, it didn't it didn't work the way they thought it was going to, I think. <laughs> no. But, I mean, is Jeffers that common of a name? I think in the Steinverse it must be. Yeah. I've also never read any of the Series 2000 books, so that should be really interesting. Can't wait to get into it. We got to order some. Yeah. As you were saying. If right? anyone is selling the Series 2000 books, let us know. Right. If you want to offload a bunch of your millennial child's things, <laughs> I know all these parents that listen to our podcast, <laughs> give us your kid's stuff. <laughs> give us your kid's stuff. Give it to us. Also on The Snowman, we had put up as one of our taxonomy points uh, with regard to that book, Mother May I Sleep With Danger, the classic Tory Spelling made-for-TV movie. And uh, we got a great shout-out from our Insta, Insta friend, One Spiffy Snail. Great handle, by the way. Great handle and great ideas. Apparently, One Spiffy Snail has a lot of knowledge of the Lifetime verse and uh, recommended the two best Lifetime films, Love Thy Neighbor and Homeless to Harvard. 
And I especially want to read that second one. I really hope that that love thy neighbor one is one of those where it's like, there's a sexy neighbor, but he turns out to be bad and psychopathic or something. And I hope that they're Puritans and that's why they're saying thy. (laughs) Sexy Puritan neighbors. I feel like not enough Lifetime movies are period pieces. I mean, that sounds like a niche market. We could get into that. Uh, Yeah, start ghostwriting. Yeah. Also, we're going to be talking more about Lifetime this week when we get to The Babysitter 2. I went and did some research, so... Interesting. Get ready to learn about the Lifetime Movie Network and its origins. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. So this is like a a preview for me, because we actually haven't recorded this episode yet. Yeah, coming soon (laughs) to Alyssa and then later to you. (laughs) We also got some good taxonomy information about Ghost Beach. JT, who is at J-A-T-E-U-9 on Twitter, let us know that a good early Ghost Beach inspiration to check out is M.R. James's Oh, Whistle and I'll Come to You, My Lad, which is a great title. Yeah, and also M.R. James, big inspiration for H.P. Lovecraft, so there's a nice little... Genealogy? Yeah, Rocky England beaches and New England beaches that are full of creeps genealogy. (laughs) From M.R. James down to R.L. Stein. Yeah, and I I think a lot of M.R. James stuff has been made into movies, into comics, so it's, yeah, I bet it's knocking around in R.L. Stein's brain somewhere. The M.R. James I've read, he's really sticks with you. He doesn't really scare you. He (laughs) sticks with you, and it's cool and creepy. Cool. Also on Ghost Beach, so we had posted a bunch of different Ghost Beach covers and asked folks to which one's the best, and we got a hard, everyone coming down on the side of Tim Jacobus, Crystal the Sapphire at Disney Sonic 1991, Pedro M at Pedro M85. They they are all like, Tim, it's Tim all the way. And I think I really agree. You know, I, I, I bet I'd be biased differently if I grew up, say, in the UK or something where we were getting different book covers. But I don't know. How do you feel about the alternate covers? Same as you. I just love the Tim Jacobus so one so much. And it, yeah, I don't know if I can really untangle that from the place they have in my heart and in my childhood. But also it's objectively really good. And so Crystal actually said, there's just something to be said about Jacobus's art. It really grabs the reader's attention when it's on a shelf. No hate towards the UK covers. Some are actually pretty cool, but Tim is king. Yeah, I think one thing I really like about the covers as opposed to some of the other ones that I've seen, is the Jacobus ones, they don't feel precious in any way. Yeah. Like a lot of kids' books do. So they're bright and they're scary and they're not precious. I also like the brightness doesn't have to be uh, saccharine, you know? It's like, oh, you want something bright and colorful? Here you go. It's goo. It's ooze. It's blood. (laughs) Monster blood. Yeah. Monster blood. And this is probably a good moment to mention, if you haven't already pre-ordered Beware the Art of Goosebumps by Sarah Rodriguez with, of course, Tim Jacobus. It is it's available for pre-order now. It will be out June 29th, and I'm really excited. The, the pieces that they've previewed from it, it looks really well-researched and thoughtful. Awesome. When it comes to Phantom of the Auditorium, we learned from our good friend, the editor, that Kate McMullen, the adapter of the Bullseye Chiller Phantom book that I had as a kid, ghost wrote one of the Ghosts of Fear Street series books under the name Katie Hall, How to Be a Vampire. Yeah, apparently it's it's R.L. Stein's Ghost of Fear Street, kind of the way you have Jordan Peele presents, you know, whatever. Yeah, that's how I got tricked into seeing Hostel, because it was Quentin Tarantino presents. I was like, ah, oh, Quentin Tarantino movie. No. Right. So Zach Sokol, who's at S-U-D-A-41, pointed out that Arlstein wrote all the books that list him as the author. And so, yeah, so in this series, he's credited as the producer. Like, he wants to be very clear about when he 
when he wrote them and when he didn't. Yeah, because he's gotten accused before of using ghostwriters, and mm-hmm. he's like, I never do. I wrote all this. I just work really hard. Yeah. Don't try to take it away from me. Yeah. Tweets to give you goosebumps, who we love and who you should be following. They're at getting underscore GB. Also covered one of the Bullseye Chiller books, Camp Zombie, by Megan and H. William Stein, although it seems like there's no relation. But it's Stein spelled the same way as RL. Yeah. And you might want to check that out. Indeed. Yeah, I feel like I'd like to get more into some of the other horror, middle grade horror of our elementary school years. Me too. Bailey school kids and and so on. Oh God, the Bailey school kids. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how horrifying they really are, but... I don't remember them being scary at all. I just remember enjoying the sort of premise. Yeah. I liked the cool monsters and I liked the revealing adults' hidden lives. (laughs) Yeah. I have this memory of... I think it's like my camp counselor is a werewolf and they put like wolfsbane in his comb because he has a like beard and then he like brushes it into his beard or something. I don't know. <laughs> Children are scary. Yeah, they are. And then um, Attack of the Mutants. So this was really exciting. So we had a big exciting thing happen when we released our episode and the coverage for it um, on social media on Attack of the Mutant, which is we got to make a new friend, Alan Doucette, a.k.a. Prop Dude who is a Canadian prop master who's worked on a ton of things. He just wrapped up some work on Handmaid's Tale. He did Dracula 2000. He's done a ton of stuff at my Big Fat Greek Wedding. And <laughs> and most importantly for our purposes, 1995 through 1998, all of the props in the Gooseverse. Yes. For the Goosebumps TV show. Yeah. Which is cool as hell. And he, so he sent us some great pictures from the Masked Mutant episode, and he answered some of our burning questions about what was in that plant food from Stay Out of the Basement. Turns out it was blanched broccoli. They must have blanched the hell out of it, like into nothingness. Yeah, basically until it was mush. And and he also sent uh, some more cool pictures of himself, stuff with the camera from Say Cheese and Die, the masks from Haunted Mask. And there's more where that came from. This is, you know, we don't want to spoil anything too much, but we have more exciting prop content coming your way, courtesy of Prop Dude. That's right. Who is the best. He also said his favorite episode he worked on was the undersung The Girl Who Cried Monster. Oh. Yeah, he made edible crickets for it. (laughs) I mean, aren't crickets technically already edible? Well, what I like about this is, I mean, I want to believe that he said, we won't eat crickets. I'll make artificial edible crickets. Yeah. The actor probably appreciated it, too. Yeah, I'm curious about that actor, actually. So, the next thing we had up was a longer email that we got from our friend Nicole, who we've talked about before. We've gotten some shout-outs from from Women Enthusiasts, as she goes by on Twitter. And, in fact, she, she puts up some of the best goosebumps, memes, and sort of theories and comments on messed up Goosebumps fan fiction. She's like, (laughs) posts great stuff. So we were really excited when she decided to send us something a bit longer. Yeah. So Nicole writes, Let me start by saying, Say Podcast and Die feels like it was made for me and is at least 40% responsible for my current state of Goosebumps obsession. I'll take that. I appreciate the precision of the percentage. (laughs) As a child of the 2000s, I actually missed out on Goosebumps heyday. Whenever the Scholastic Book Fair came around, the Horrorland run of books always seemed like too much of a commitment because they were advertised as featuring previous Goosebumps characters, and I didn't want to start it without already knowing all the characters that had made previous appearances. That is why it took me so long to get into Game of Thrones. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's like, oh man, this is a commitment. I'm yeah. like, like it's like entering a marriage. Uh-huh. She says, I've always loved horror, though, and Goosebumps books stood out to me as a kid and how scary they presented themselves. 
The rarity of a Goosebumps book at the time made them even more intriguing, like finding these old, worn-out, candy-colored books in the S section of my local library was equivalent to finding the Necronomicon in an abandoned cabin cellar. For a second there, I was like, wait, why were they in the S section? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I read about 25 Goosebumps books until I was 13 or so, when the effort of finding one outweighed my enthusiasm. I never fully lost interest in the series, though. I've watched a few of the reruns on Cartoon Network and The Hub and was very excited for the movie in 2015. I'm glad they're still putting out the reruns. I mean, I know it's on Netflix now, but, you know. Yeah, totally. Keep the kids hooked. Mm -hmm. My interest waned for a few years until December 2020. I'm majoring in illustration and had to illustrate a children's book for an assignment. I jumped at the chance to make Goosebumps art, and I picked Stay Out of the Basement. The freaky twist ending and the visual green blood oozing out of Dr. Brewer's arm made it one of the more memorable books for me. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, we should post her image, actually, when we post this episode. Yeah, totally. Digging into all of the plot summaries, reimaginings, and reviews of the story made me curious how other people saw it. I looked up Stay Out of the Basement plus Brewer on Twitter. Uh, for funsies, and I found you guys. It helped hey, me. Yay! It Woo! Reeling them in. That's right. It really helped me immerse myself to listen to the pod while I worked uh, on the piece. I've been listening to the podcast since then, and it's my all time favorite Goosebumps podcast, if not favorite podcast period. Aw. I've always found it fun to analyze uh, quote unquote lower forms of media and find deeper messages and motifs, regardless of whether or not they were intended. Hell Same, yeah. Same, dude. Yeah, and it's like. As Austin pointed out when we did our episode on the TV adaptation of The Ghost Next Door, it's there. Whether we are conscious of it or not, they're they're there, right? Yeah. Yeah, and whether we acknowledge it or not. And that includes whether the author is aware of it or acknowledges it or not, and whether we do as, well, as readers, right? So yeah, and I think it needs to be brought to light. I agree. Queer readings and hints at larger shared universe slash canon in particular tend to make me more interested in something than I would be otherwise. Side note, Sarah Beth stuck in my head the most out of any part of Monster Blood, both because of how out of nowhere she was, and probably because my latent love of women was like, ooh, pretty witch lady. Yeah, like, oh, these two women living together, they seem to have their problems, but I'm intrigued. Go yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. Let's talk more about this. Yeah. Uh, she goes on to write, I believe Monster Blood represents unhealthy relationship dynamics, particularly one person enabling the other's destructive habits and abusing their control over the other. This is consistent throughout the saga and arguably in later Monster Blood appearances. Monster Blood is not only a substance that grows, but a substance that enables its victims slash masters rage. Monster Blood is first meant to kill for Sarah Beth. Then it gives Evan a chance to fight the object of his displaced aggression, Cuddles, the hamster. Then it enables him to bully Conan and Kermit back. And who's the one that goads Evan into using monster blood after Sarah Beth is gone? Andy. I just feel really called out when I see... <laughs> I know that not all instances of my name refer to me, but I... <laughs> Do you? I am a narcissist at heart, I guess. In Monster Blood 1, the monster blood grows and consumes much like Sarah Beth grew to consume Catherine's life for 20 years. That's such a good point. It is. In books 2, 3, and arguably 4, Andy is the one that keeps pushing Evan to use monster blood until the thoughts of it seem to consume him. Regular nightmares, phobia of green, etc. She moves to Atlanta with Evan, and Monster Blood follows. She never thinks to consume it for herself and eggs Evan on when he does. She repeatedly jokes about it despite Evan's obvious fear, almost like she's a harbinger of it. I don't think Andy's... Hey, that's, that's why her clothes are so bright. Hey, yeah. I like that. I don't think Andy is evil or doesn't care for Evan, though. That's So you feel better about yourself. Phew. <laughs> Just an enabler. Yeah, they they just enable each other's bad habits, and I feel like they stick together mainly out of shared trauma. It's a really good observation. I mean, we've all been through those relationships. Very true. 
Despite fearing monster blood, it gives Evan power over others, and Evan is pretty easy to rope into Andy's revenge-fueled monster blood thrill-seeking. One could argue that she uses Evan and monster blood's chaos to reenact the initial trauma monster blood gave her in an attempt at mastery or control over it, regardless of Evan's clear aversion to monster blood. It's a repetition compulsion. Yeah, exactly. And that's why each monster blood book is so damn similar and nothing changes between them. Because they haven't worked through their shit. Yeah, although I haven't haven't read monster blood 4 yet, but definitely 1 through 3. Yeah. If someone would just sit them down and help them wa- walk through their feelings, maybe the cycle of monster blood could finally end. Hell yeah. We can only hope. But <laughs> didn't Arlstein just publish a monster blood is back again or something? Oh, oh no. <laughs> so he's not over it. TLDR, Andy is the Sarah Beth to Evan's monster blood, and everyone depriving them of the affection they crave better be worried about the fallout. Ooh, that's really well put. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for getting me back into Goosebumps and providing me with that good spooky analysis content. You have no idea how much joy you guys have brought me directly and indirectly. Oh, yeah. So thank you so much, Nicole. Also for that brilliant theory. Yeah. What's really insightful to me about that is, you know, observing that Andy's behavior isn't bad, right? It is just, it's something hasn't been worked through. And also you really can get this combination of two people who are just bad for each other. And as as we've both pointed out, like, like we've been in those situations, right? I mean, I also think part of what's good about this this reading, and as you were just saying about it, is like, while both of them kind of, both Evan and Andy are looking for some kind of control, neither of them really has control. And the monster blood conveys that really well because they open the jar, but it just completely, it knocks them over. It grows uh, unstoppably. It absorbs things. They can't actually rein it in. So it's like this unleashing of a desire to affect something and to take control. But ironically is also a representation of their lack of control. Yeah, exactly. It lures them in with a promise of power and control and and tricks them. Right, exactly. Just like when Evan accidentally eats it and he's huge and mighty, but at the same time that makes him incredibly vulnerable and makes him like smash cars by accident and, mm-hmm. and maybe kill someone. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you again, Nicole. And you all should follow her on Twitter, if you're not already, at B-R-O-Y-E-A-N-I-C-E. follower get good content do it and then finally we just wanted to point out that since our guest punks episode with a.e osworth their book has come out yeah so we are watching eliza bright is a novel now available wherever you get your books i stayed up late last night finishing it it is that kind of book it's really good if you like the kind of analysis of pop culture that we do it's really probably the book for you um and yeah it's really well written and smart and fun it's about gamergate yes it's great so go buy it (laughs) yeah what are you doing (laughs) listening to this well keep yeah thank you thank you yeah uh send us more stuff we love to hear from y'all and send us send us your stories about your experiences with goosebumps your theories your queries and we will cover them that's right Listeners beware. Send us more scares. Ooh. Ooh. Good boo. Good boo.